Grants Pass always reminds me of a place that gives you a hug based on how the layout of the mountains are around. Mm-hmm. And I love how the fact our that I-5 doesn't go directly through our city, it goes around it, but it provides a really beautiful vista to look at the, at the area. It tells you there's possibilities because you can go west and continue on to the coast. So it has this nice layout to it. There's a, a certain air and attitude about Grants Pass, it's, and people will talk about woo-woo, it's an energy that's here. There's a really good energy in Grants Pass. There's a place in Southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty, friendly yet independent people, and a mild, comfortable climate. That place is called Grants Pass. These are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP. Kat Bonnie lived in Oregon most of her life with a brief stint in Texas, SoCal, and a year overseas. She's had her own commercial graphic arts business since college, where she started it out of a desire not to remain at the college. She was assigned a job of waking early to make breakfast for all her college peers. Kat's always been a night owl and struggles to be a morning person. She came home after college for a two-week vacation, and during that time, her plans changed. Being that she liked the climate here and her mom lives close, Kat decided to make Southern Oregon her permanent home. Kat and her wife live on the family ranch with a dog and a couple of cats, not to mention a neighborly sheep, cows, and llama security. Along with their marketing business, Web Mountain Arts, and her contract as the executive director of a local nonprofit, Common Connections, Kat is using her years of real estate experience to help Common Connections administer the housing repair and rehabilitation program for low and moderate income homeowners in Josephine County. On top of being an avid volunteer in various community programs, as a business owner, Kat is involved in the Grants Pass in Josephine County Chamber of Commerce, which is where we met. She's never been into activism. She's into participating with other like-minded community members at a grassroots level. Kat Bonnie's sole agenda is to accomplish projects and programs for the good of all our community, finding solutions and taking action so we can move forward in ways that are reasonable and prosperous. Kat Bonnie, welcome to Grants Pass VIP. Thank you. That was perfect. Okay, cool. I was like, oh, I want to be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. We wanted to get to know you here. The only thing I would have probably said is that I wasn't trying to get out of college. I just was trying to get out of the kitchen. Oh, God. (laughs) That that makes sense. (laughs) One of my other highlights that I laugh about now is when I left college, I had $200 in my pocket to my credit. I didn't have a bill because I worked so much during school and carrying a, a full load. And that, to me, was quite an accomplishment in itself. Absolutely. Because I, after that, wanting to go on to grad school, I went, oh, I had to spend another $150,000 to do this? I don't think so. It's just not going to happen. I think I'll just jump right into the school of hard knocks and let's go for it. So, And that's where it's, I feel bad for people when they're going, I'm working just to pay my school bill. Oh, can you <laughs> my imagine? Oh, man. That's true. It, it's funny because since I met you, I see you everywhere. It's like when you own a certain type of car and you see that car right. everywhere, right. but you're you're one person <laughs> and I see you <laughs> everywhere. So for those people who may not recognize you or may not know you, where else would people know you from? Let's see. I've been involved in a couple of different nonprofits. Uh, one 
is one that I've stepped away since, and I don't want to get political, so I won't name them, name them. But there's a lot just going on in society I don't necessarily agree with, and I just didn't want to damage them by anything I might say personally, and I didn't want to support stuff that they may still support, so I just kind of stepped away from that. But that would have put me in different areas in the community. I found out at a young age, I grew up outside of Canyonville, and I would have had to have driven at least 20 minutes to get to someplace to actually have a job when I was allowed to drive at, you know, at 16. And so I, I wanted to have a job. I would come to Canyonville and I put out resumes that as thin as they were when you're 16, you don't have any work experience and stuff. And, and it came to the fact that there weren't that many things to choose from. So if I wanted some job experience or some work experience, I had to figure out how to do it. And I figured out the best way to do it was to volunteer. As soon as you volunteered, they didn't have to pay you. They were like, sure, come on. So I found lots of different things that I want to learn how to do this, or I want to experience that, or whatever it was. And I would just go and say, is there a volunteer opportunity? And people were like, oh, sure. So once you were willing to come and do something, I've gotten to experience a lot of different things and figure out what I like and what I don't like. And so it's like, I think I'll stay away from bungee jumping. Let me just take the pictures. Okay. You know, I'm not going to be the one that jumps off the bridge, but <laughs> I'll scream with you, <laughs> you know, or, you know, things like that. And the chamber for me coming in as a young business owner, the chamber was the best tool to connect with because you had opportunities to connect with different businesses. You had opportunities to connect with different nonprofits. You could connect at the municipal level. You could figure out how things were getting done by finding out, well, how do you find out about um, what they're doing about this particular ordinance or whatever. You could figure that out by asking questions because the chamber knew. They knew where to go and they were the kind of the hub of directing people. So to answer the question, I've just been in the mix because I wanted to know. I'm a very curious cat. <laughs> I'd be out there asking, how can I help? What can we do? And I've just been at different places. And it has served me well in terms of life experience and enjoyment that I get out of life. And I've met lots of people, and I, I call everybody a friend. So you could be somewhere, and I had tons of people reach out to me just because recently was my birthday telling me happy birthday. Think people I haven't seen in years. Like, oh, I miss your face. I haven't seen you in so long. And I thought about it. I thought, I know them because of a job that I had in a totally different area. <laughs> but it was only for a brief time. And that was because I said yes to an opportunity when I worked at a place here locally and a vendor came in and offered it to me. And that gave me the opportunity to go to even more places within the state. So that is one of those things. I, I say yes, and you get the opportunity to, to meet more people. So if you're doing it, I'm going to see you doing it too somewhere else. Right? <laughs> That's great. You mentioned Chamber of Commerce. For those of you listening, we're in the Chamber of Commerce office here for Grants Pass Josephine County. We're actually out in the conference room. And I'm just wondering, how old were you when you first tied into all this? Right out of college, I connected with the chamber when I started working in real estate. Wow. Uh, that was the best way to find out how to make connections within the community. And I wasn't a chamber member because I don't know that they had that association when I was a real estate broker at the time. But they still had the greeters meeting, and I don't know if they were as strict as they are now. So you could go, you know, maybe three months in a row type thing. You would go, but maybe once a month. But that connection, you still were able to make 
with people. Yeah. And they allowed you to bring business cards and, and hand them out and things like that. And so that was one thing. The other thing, I always looked for opportunities. You know, in the business world, they call it networking. But really, it's just a party. <laughs> you know, you're just hanging out, socializing with people. And the opportunity to connect, I connected with someone. I don't remember how I got this opportunity, but they ended up being the first people to bring the uh, Business Network International to Southern Oregon mm-hmm. into the Medford area. And and I think because that particular model is a franchise, and so the people from up north of the state were bringing it down here. And the, the way they were doing it is it was more, you talked about the freemium or the premium or the free type thing. They allowed us to hold these BNI meetings on a weekly basis and to learn the process to understand what it meant to be a giver mm-hmm. and gaining from being a giver and those particular skills that you learn from that type of it's an activity on one sense but it's an intention and a thought process if you frame yourself of I'm going to actively look for business for other people you end up getting business yourself mm-hmm. so those principles within BNI were being implemented in us forming this little, we weren't even chartered yet, and being able to do that. So I had the opportunity to do that for a couple of years because we were not large enough to charter. So we were trying to get it to grow. It just wasn't taking off. And then all of a sudden it did. There was a spark. They really do want you on that because they look at, you know, you've got the chamber is a soft networking because any business can belong to the chamber. In B&I, they're very specific about one business per chapter to be in that. They also are very strict about, they want you to be fully engaged in your business. Don't don't let it be where it's just something you do as a hobby. If you're representing, and they especially want that for the people that are doing multi-level marketing type businesses. And so I was doing, I'm not even sure if I joined, I might have joined under a multi-level marketing business to begin with, but I was also full-time as a real estate appraiser. So mm-hmm. I'd gone from real estate broker to appraiser because I needed I knew I didn't know enough, so I needed to know more, so I went into my education there. So I spent more time as an appraiser than I did as a broker. Oh, wow. And, and that's kind of just because I like the, doing the research and things like that. So I was wearing those two hats. And then as soon as they started to charter, I had to make a decision. And at that point in time, I stepped away. But I loved the people and I loved the process. And I was just like, whatever I can do to support you. And so I've stepped in and substituted for people when they needed and things like that. And now we have, I don't know, four or five chapters in the Valley. So it's just, it just (laughs) blossomed from there. So I just knew a lot of people because of that as well. Mm -hmm. And that was another opportunity to be able to meet and know. And that activity really put in my mind how much of a connector I like to be. So when someone would need connection with something, you kind of, they talk about pulling out your book of business, you know, and referring people from your chapter. At that point in time, I had four or five chapters of people to refer to. If you don't like this person, check out this person, you know. And the vetting process of being in BNI is not super stringent, but they are legitimate. And so they make sure you're doing good business and they won't let you stay in the chapter if you're not. So that made it good that you felt good about making a recommendation. So anyway, being part of the chamber is a soft networking, being part of anything that is a um, soft networking piece that allows lots of different businesses to come in is very helpful. In the side of, of making connections and being connected to people, it started when I first got out of college and then I stepped away from the chamber only because I wasn't a business owner at the time. 
And I did come and represent the real estate appraisal office because we were members of the chamber at that time. And then that would have been, I'd say it's back in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then being a real estate appraiser myself, I didn't realize the power of the chamber. I didn't fully yeah. understand that. And I stepped away for a few years as I took over the appraisal business. And I, I always thought that it was only about greeters, and it's not. There are so many facets and benefits being part of the chamber. The greeters is just a Wednesday morning breakfast meeting. Come say hi to your friends. That's really, at that point in time, it's a good touch, and it's a great start for people, but that's not what the chamber is all about. Mm -hmm. That's just one of the great benefits of it. And I didn't realize that at the time, and so I wasn't fully engaged as a chamber member. And then I went back to my roots in graphic. I've always been doing graphic art, and doing the commercial art and helping. And I started doing more pieces that were connected to trade because of the connections I had at BNI, actually. And I still use one of my connections at BNI. We are, we're still business partners that way. He's one of my trade allies. And when that happened, I decided I wanted to do more publication design. And that's how I actually got a contract here with this Chamber of Commerce. So I do publication design and commercial art for them for their marketing here. But doing that particular piece was really instrumental in being able to open up the doors. And I started doing it with a small newspaper as a chamber member here with Tidbits of the Rogue Valley. Mm -hmm. But that was a licensed piece. And wearing so many different hats on sales and production and doing distribution and everything else was very difficult. Mm. Really rewarding, but very difficult for a weekly paper. Mm. And so I let that go. So that, that made it made it hard, but it let me go. I went to a lot of different places. That could be another place people know me from just because I was all over the valley distributing papers. Oh. <laughs> so so yeah, there's lots of different ways that people might have connected, but I don't know, you name it, it's probably a volunteer activity or it's one of those particular groups that I might have jumped in or, or helped with. So. That's fabulous. Do you ever see yourself living anywhere else? That's an interesting question. There's a really a short answer to that. And I've lived other places. The Middle East is a beautiful place, but it's, if you like, the arid desert. But it does have its summers and springs. It does have four seasons over there. And it's nice, but the language is a little bit of a challenge. I have not spent enough time in Europe to know if I would love to spend any long-term time over there. I do think that I'm more of a person that keeps a home base and then travels and goes out. Mm -hmm. And that makes it easier. And in terms of uh, moving away from Southern Oregon, I think there's only a few reasons that I might move away. But for the long term, I think I'll stay. My mom lives about an hour and a half away and we have property here and we have lots of different connections and stuff. So yeah, it makes it when you have roots in an area, you don't necessarily want to just pick up and and go away, regardless of how you feel about the politics. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, very cool. You do so many different things and have so many different hats. Are there things that you do that you wouldn't recommend to others, or would you recommend each thing if it applied to a person? To be honest, there's benefits in having a really broad perspective and benefits to being able to to look at lots of different things and be accepting of it. So I'll take, for instance, like food. 
you know, there's a lot of picky eaters out there. But I personally, you know, my wife would say I've never said no to a meal, first of all. But secondly, I really, I have an adventurous spirit, so I would try something probably. At least one time might taste it. There's something that I absolutely know, nope, I'm not eating that spider, not happening. But, you know, there's some, you know, TV shows about that. But there's other there's other things that be like, oh, this is an exotic dish. Yeah, I'd like to try that. But there is benefit in being clear about what you want to do. There's benefit in being focused. And there is major benefit in taking action. So I've taken a lot of action, but sometimes the clarity and the focus have not been there, and they have proven themselves when they're not there, you're not as successful as you can be. So I think that if if anything, what I strive to do every day is to be more clear, more focused, and continue to take action. And there's really one reason is because nobody really cares what I do, and that's the nice way of saying it. Nobody <laughs> really cares what I do. I care what I do. And if I care more, then I'm going to get stuff done. So I'm the one that has to focus on it because, I don't know, being a victim and being in that mentality doesn't serve you at all. So that's yeah. I'm like, got to get it done. It's going to be on you. Absolutely. That's a great perspective. What are you most excited about regarding what you're doing right now? Is there, is there anything that's top of mind that, you're, that yes. you're most excited about? Yes, yes. So I'll share it with you, and, and you can share it online. I've gotten to the point where I've run in circles where people have had some fantastic ideas and they didn't want to talk about them because if they said anything, then it was out the door and somebody else was going to do it and they were scared. So there was an attitude and an, an air of, of fear that was surrounding that. And I said, you have to adopt the perspective that the universe has sent you a thought. You have somehow tapped into something fantastic and you need to expound upon it. Do not be the... The bump in the road that stops this from happening. You have to just open yourself up and let you be the tool that gets this done. And what's happened, and I think it's funny, is that you can at least say if if someone has a thought about something, like a gadget or a widget or something like that, and then they see it marketed on TV, they go, I thought of that first, right? Heck, you are part of the whole reason this came to fruition. Just pat yourself on the back and go forward. You know, leave it at that because you were connected to something that turned out that it's there, right? People can enjoy it. But the other thing is that when you have the thought, you need to take action. So I'll give you a for instance. There was marketing information coming down from ODOT that they were going to be rehabilitating the Caveman Bridge here in Grants Pass. And at the time, I was on a board, which is the Hassel Board, Handicap Accessibility Board, here in Grants Pass. And that's part of my background. When I was overseas in the Middle East, I was working with children with disabilities. And one of those things where I'm always about how can we make things better for people in the community? I don't care what's going on. Let's just make it better. And in the discussions at Hassel, they realized that there were a couple of things that were, they have an activist side. And they have that in Salem with a legal team, etc. So they're connected in terms of the state. And they were wanting to look at, really focus on, on 199 in terms of the downtown area and the cutouts for ramps on each of the corners. So that's really what they were focused on. 
And I said, can we expand that a little bit? You know, not everybody is in a walker or a wheelchair is on just on 6th Street. There's other corners that we have that are within the central business district that probably need to be addressed in conjunction by the city. So could we have a discussion about that? And so that started the discussion to, well, they're going to start renovating the Caveman Bridge. Have you ever tried to take a wheelchair across the Caveman Bridge? It's very, very narrow. It's narrow to walk. And I said, well, it's a historical bridge, so there's probably some things there that they probably wouldn't want to change. And we have a couple other bridges that you can take if you need to. Well, the discussion went from, well, maybe we could just ask. So I pushed the issue, and the first thing we did is we did a video downtown, went around and I did a short short video, it's on YouTube, about the accessibility challenges of Grants Pass and the bridge itself. Interestingly enough, and I'll just say this as a side note, when ODOT was down here talking about the bridge, in the background, there was a gentleman who frequents the streets all the time in his wheelchair. He was actually going across. So I thought that was fun. In their, in their mm-hmm. video, he was actually trying to, to traverse Caveman Bridge. And he was, it was fine. It was just, it's super, super narrow. So long story short, we did this video. We figured out that there would be an opportunity if they could adjust the sides of the arches of the bridge. They had about a four to five inch lip that hung over. If they could just shave that up, they could make it so that it was gave that little extra elbow room if you're trying to do your mm-hmm. wheelchair or, or your walker or ride your bike or whatever if you're a little unsteady, if you're going across the bridge there. And so we sent that up as a possible solution and asked if they would please consider that when they were doing their renovations, and they did. And so now if you look historically, you can see the lip, and if, if you go by now, you can see there's a little bit of a, a yeah. flare there. So that was something that was very helpful and had to do with thinking outside the box and how can we help the community that way and it was all in conjunction and we did it in a respectful manner we didn't get out there and pick at them we went out there we asked them what's your process to ask can this be considered please Mm -hmm. and they did and they were able to make that adjustment and the state historic preservation said it didn't affect the integrity of, of the historic bridge itself so that was very helpful that to me was very beneficial to being able to get involved in something to help make a difference yeah for the community One of the latest topics that has been popping up quite a bit lately is content marketing. What is content marketing? It's all about that style of marketing that is telling a story, that is entertaining and providing information. It's providing something that people find valuable unto itself, but it has a marketing message tied to it at some point. Uh, And in most cases, when we're talking content marketing, we're talking about marketing uh, that is free, but you could also have paid content marketing. There's a lot of different styles of content marketing. It's just not online. It's not a new thing. It's been around forever. There's many historical examples of content marketing that you can find. There's so much to it, but Where do you start? If you've never done content marketing before, and if you don't know if it's right for you or not, you, your organization, your business, then you're going to want to check out my training, which is called, Should We Even Do Content Marketing? And what this training is meant to do is to answer that question for you or to allow yourself to answer that question after you get the facts. I lay out the facts. 
I even lay out seven different reasons why you shouldn't do content marketing. So if you align with any of those seven things, you shouldn't do it. And that makes it easy for you. Walk away from it and focus your time in other areas. But content marketing is right for most people. If you're looking to make a difference and you're looking to put something out there and change people's lives, content marketing can be a huge addition to your outreach efforts. Go get that question answered. Go to contentmarketingquestion.com. That's contentmarketingquestion.com. This challenge that we've had in the different nonprofits that I've interacted with, the focus and the discussion is always about how we don't have enough housing in our area. And so we have this conundrum of people that are houseless, homeless, and then we have no housing. So how do you rectify the difference between these and do it in a way that makes sense for, and I'm going to use two words, homogeneous is a word that talks about how do things work together, and then the terra firma, so the actual physical landscape of our community. Um, I always think of, and I've said this before to people, and I don't know if any of the, any of the volunteers in front say this, but Grants Pass always reminds me of a place that gives you a hug based on how the layout of the mountains are around. Mm-hmm. And I love how the fact our, that I-5 doesn't go directly through our city, it goes around it, but it provides a really beautiful vista to look at the, at the area. And it tells you there's possibilities because you can go west and continue on to the coast. So it has this nice layout to it. And so it be, it provides kind of, there's a, a certain air and attitude about Grants Pass. It's a, and people will talk about woo-woo, it's an energy that's here. There's a really good energy in Grants Pass. Even though we have our challenges here and we've got we've got things that we need to fix. Those are things everybody has. It's like a family. You always have things you need to address. If life was always idyllic, you would get bored, I'm sure. <laughs> so so in this case, with the things that are going on, we've got this housing conundrum and the nonprofits that I'm involved in are trying to address and I don't think that there's one solution. I think there's many solutions and they come in different ways. And it's all about how people can can connect and get involved in it. And so we have a number of people that are connecting, trying to address the housing homeless issue and provide different connections that way to solve some of the challenges. It's not going to be the end all to solving it, but it's going to be something that's going to help. I think that group is called PATH, and I'm not even involved in it. I'm just on the fringes of helping direct if they have questions about things. And so they're working in one particular arena, but they're trying to address a number of things. And there's like 80 people steering committee that are working on this. That to me is a good example of how people get involved at the grassroots level to solve a challenge, not always look to a municipality, say, how come you're not solving this problem? It's not the city's issue to solve. It is ours as citizens to address it and come to them and utilize the committee layout that they have and your connection to the city councilors that are the ones that represent within these wards, get involved that level so that you can actually help get some of these things pushed forward as possible solutions. So your question was, what am I involved in in terms of these particular issues or these challenges? 
And as Common Connections, I'm in a really unique position to be able to always, if something really interesting comes up, how can we implement it? And I've been a longtime advocate for learning more about 3D printing. And back in 22, I think, maybe 21, there was a news clip that there were two cities in eastern Oregon that were going to bring, they were going to solve the affordable housing crisis problem with 3D printing. And I thought, wow, I've been dialed into this technology for a long time, and who's doing it? Who's coming? That's what I wanted to know. And it turned out that it's a group called Alquist 3D, and they did a short blurb about it and that they were going to be working with John Day and I want to say Lakeview, but I, I could be wrong. But um, John Day specifically was in the KOIN Portland report about it. And I'm not sure where they're at at this point, but in the course of Alquist 3Ds, how they've been working as a company, and 3D printing, if your listeners don't know, is using a 3D printer that is industrial size in order to put through a mixture, usually of concrete, is what most of them are using, that have additives that make it come out like, it's kind of like icing on a cake. And so you have different qualities of that, and I always kind of attribute it to, you've got cottage cheese up to buttercream frosting. So it just depends on the smoothness of what you're doing. And each individual company kind of is, you know, they're very protective of their proprietary additive that they're doing in order to make their product come out look good, also stand up to the PSI tests, the slump tests, all the requirements for building and and the designs that they're doing. And there's so much flexibility within the coding of being able to do it. You can do something that's fantastical and lots of curves and very swoopy and pretty and smooth to something that looks like a regular house. And the idea is being able to print really quickly means you can solve a housing problem within a matter of months instead of years or decades. And so that was very, very, very exciting. And so when they're doing their marketing information, they're saying that they are printing or they're going to be building in Oregon. And so I'm, my ears are pricking up and I'm like, where? How can I help? What are we doing? Because, you know, I'm sure there were other people that were saying the same thing, but they're, you know, in the municipal scenario, they don't move very fast. But in the nonprofit scenario, sometimes you can move a little faster. So, <laughs> so I've, um, Common Connections has made connection with Allquest 3D and we have an NDA so we're not talking about any of their side, but we're actively putting together programming. We have contractor and a master mason in people in the community that are very interested in this and being able to, again, we're facilitating organizations, so be able to bring this technology to the community, but also have it paired with our skills up and our teaching scenarios that we have in these pre-apprenticeship programs and be able to produce some additional dwelling units or houses for people. So we're solving, we're attempting to solve a problem, even if it's one little three or four block area at a time. But being able to do it one house at a time with a 3D printer is going to be much quicker and probably more cost-effective for us than being able to do it with a site-built uh, standard wood mm. and stuff. Not to say that it couldn't be done both ways. That's where I want to draw the line of saying, I'm not saying we are the end all. I'm just saying that this is an opportunity to be able to do it that way. So that's one of our programs. And I'm super excited about that because it has the ability to demonstrate it and to be able to solve a problem at the same time. 
and be able to spark the interest of young people. They can go on to other places and get more in, more information, more education on it, and they can see what the possibilities are. And the nice thing is you can build a house with three or four people instead of a whole crew of nine or ten. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's incredible. That's some exciting stuff there. The other side, and I'll just drop this this idea, is that most 3D printing is being done with concrete. And we're actively talking to the Geopolymer International. And geopolymers use less water. Hmm. They use friction to actually create them. And you can use local uh, product building uh, things that you have for your product. And once they get... They're solidly set. They're waterproof and fireproof, which is really, really important to our area. Wow, no kidding. So, so less water's used. They're waterproof, and the fireproof piece is really important. And the nice thing for me is if you don't like it, you can you can take a wrecking ball to it, reconstitute the whole thing, and use it again. Oh, neat. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. To me, it's exciting only because being able to take action on something, and I have someone that has said, yes, I'll you can build one at my house. Wow. So they've already raised in there here in the city. So that what that does is that opens up the door for us to start working directly with city planning, use that as an example, and allow us to put together a whole model. I connected with Zachary Mannheimer on LinkedIn, and I kept bugging him. And I said, when are you coming to Oregon? When are you coming to Oregon? And he said, coming soon. He said, but, you know, watch our webinar. We're going to do a live webinar about the new program that we're doing to help get more people interested which is basically their direct connection to wanting to get into the community colleges. So that's the other piece of it. So it's awesome. Yeah. Wow. And if only for the fact that it's so different, it's going to cause such a stir and so much positive attention Mm -hmm. for the area. That's great. So because I'm going on vacation and I couldn't make it just a frivolous Thing. I couldn't just go and have a good time and drink Mai Tais. I had to go, okay, we're going to go talk to Will Hoff, who's at Geopolymer International. I get to talk to him in person, and yay. Just for fun, we're going to take a Boxable. Have you, have you heard of Boxable? Their plant is in Las Vegas, so we're going to go do their tour of their plant. Boxable is, you've seen a, a truckload of boats go down, and they're wrapped in this white, whatever mm-hmm. this thing is. Well, this is a house that gets delivered to you, wrapped in this white stuff, oh. and they break the seal on it, and boom, it raise this, raise this, and pretty, it just unfolds and it's a house. <laughs> it's incredible. And it's um, less, it's 399 square feet, so right there, and, and it's built, all you have to build the foundation and have the utilities there, and they hook everything up to it. It's all self-contained. Wow. Stuff, little one-bedroom studio with a, everything in it. It's really cool. So Boxable, <laughs> and it's spelled B-O-X-A-B-L dot com. So we're going to go do those in Vegas, and then we're headed, our traversing whatever, because we're driving in a convertible, so we always have to take the road trip and build yeah. fun places. So one of the places we're going is Austin, Texas. And in Austin, one of the other 3D companies that I've been following for a long time, and I look at them as kind of the shiny object of the whole industry because they have a really good marketing team, and they had a lot of really good things to say. And I'm a grant writer also, and so when they said, hey, you can buy our we've got a trailer and we've got the printer and you can buy this. And I was like, well, how much? I need to know how much money I need to raise because I'll get one. And they didn't, wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer. We, they had an Instagram feed that was full of people going, how come you never given this an answer? Well, it's because they got diverted over here. They're still doing their stuff, but they got invited to come compete and figure out if they can build on Mars. And I was like, can you please solve the housing problem on Earth first before you start colonizing Mars? But anyway, 
I digress for just a minute, but they have done what I call the cream of the crop is called House Zero there in Austin. And they have several different videos of how they built that one, but we're going to go tour that one as well. So we'll go see House Zero. And then, and this is really exciting as well, is within Austin, just outside of Austin, is called, there's a 51 acre plant unit development that was developed by a faith-based group called Mobile Loaves and Fishes. It was a food and clothing outreach to the homeless in the Austin area. And through their resources and focus and clarity, they built a 51 acre plant unit development that has tiny homes on it, an RV park in a small village and a makerspace. And they are able to get people out of being houseless and get them back into society and feeling functional and, and having some, some wraparound services for them. But they offer a tour of the planning unit development, so we're going to be doing that too. Oh. So get to ride around in a little golf cart and check it out and get to meet some of the residents. And the fun thing about that, I think any community can follow their model, is that they got area contractors involved as a competition, and the area contractors built one house, but they had several of them in these different phases that they did. So it's very eclectic looking, got yeah. all these different... Uh, little tiny homes that people have been able to get out of homelessness and and have something stable. So very excited to go to that. And then I'm going to go hang out. I don't know, not sure if John and Debbie are going to the Neolife Convention, but I'm going to go to the Neolife Convention in San Antonio and and go visit some friends that live in Dublin and and maybe meet some other people and stuff like that. Fun things. Yeah. (laughs) So that'll be my... That'll be my vacation. I'll come back completely exhausted, and then it'll be time to do the newsletter, and we'll see what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Yes. So is there one thing in your life right now that if you could change, you would? I could show you my tender underbelly and say, yes, the studio that we live in does not have a septic system. That's the one thing I would love. Every time she asks me, what do you want for your Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want? I'd love a septic system. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't go into the details as to what that means, but I'll just use the one word, porta potty (laughs) So there you go. So if we had a septic system, I'd be very happy. But in terms of changing anything within my personal life, that's really it. I love living in a smaller area. I've had over 3,000, I had almost 4,000 square foot house on acreage before. And I was like, oh, I wish I just had a small little cabin. It'd be so nice. So much less to clean. And I wouldn't have to do it. And I did that. I went, just started, and it wasn't necessarily intentional. I went to more of the spec house and lived on site while I was building for doing some of the real estate stuff I did. And I was like, I really enjoy living in a small house. I think this could really work. And so the fact that we took that's why we're on the family farm we took the barn and renovated it into a studio and i think that's really cool and it's just a matter of just having had an extra thirty five thousand dollars to put in the type that we were approved for yeah for the septic system (laughs) so so if i had an extra thirty five thousand dollars from the books i sell maybe (laughs) i'll do that (laughs) hey that works That, that works if that's all you need in life, right? From right now, if everything else is moving in a positive direction, that's that's awesome. I could be happy with this lamp, <laughs> <laughs> this telephone, that's right. and this septic system. <laughs> Me and Steve Martin. That's right. I love that movie. <laughs> so what could a listener do 
who wants to find out more about what you're doing with Common Connections or any of the other projects that you have going right now? Well, if I could tell anybody, people are like, why do I need a domain name? I get I have a bad reputation because I have like 85 of them. But somebody called me, I'm a collector. No, I'm not. I just, everybody has a purpose, and I maintain several for other people. Yeah. So there it is. I think everybody should have their name as a domain name. And they can point that to their social media. They can point that to whatever's important to them. And currently, I had it pointing to my calendar so people could actually, if they wanted to make an appointment, we could sit down, have coffee, whatever, and mm-hmm. chat. That's where I pointed it to. And it might still point to that right now. But on the back side, I've been working on a website that is just for my own enjoyment. And in doing that, I'll have my books and I'll have other books. I would love to have your book on there. Anything I can do to to help promote what you're doing as well. Because I think that if people could see how enjoyable it is to be able to have a cognizant conversation and have it recorded and memorialized (laughs) on the internet, I think they would enjoy it because they can go back and look. It's almost like a, a, they call it a vlog, I guess, in some ways. But, right, it's almost like doing your diary. But if you're not really concerned about whether people see it or not, you can still enlist it on YouTube. That's right. And and still have that there as as a nice little history and go back a little scrapbook. Go back and look and see what you've been doing. And it'll inspire you for tomorrow. You know, inspire you. What are you going to do tomorrow? And and what do you focus on long term? You know, so in, in my own life, there's been, I really do focus on what things can be accomplished. How can we actually get these things all the way through? And when I went from 3,500 square feet or whatever it was, down to 800 square feet that we live in now, I also had two storage units. And I felt so much relief when I got rid of all the stuff that's in those two storage units through selling and donating, etc. And now I only have stuff that's in my carport and I don't have a garage to shut the door so I don't nobody else has to see it but it's in organized piles and I know where it's at but I would feel so much better if I just finished those pieces and got rid of those things and got rid of the stuff that has no meaning and has no connection anymore and I was able to accomplish continue to accomplish these projects that I have there's just not enough time in the day yeah (laughs) absolutely well, fabulous. So that's catbonnie.com. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. That's how you get a hold of Cat. And I'd love to have you on again sometime because you've always got something new to talk about. Those of you who don't know, we actually had a conversation earlier that was recorded, but the sound quality wasn't good enough for sending out. So we're going to, we'll probably do this <laughs> as often as we can because Cat's tied in and she's always got something really cool to discuss. So Cat Bonnie, thanks so much for being on Grants Pass VIP. Well, thank you, Brian J. Pombo. I think that it's just, it's incredible that we've had somebody of your caliber come into town, and I appreciate that because you're out there and you're doing things and you're connecting with people, and that's what it's all about. Thank you. Well, if you just listened to that entire conversation, you'll realize that Cat Bonnie is really something else. I like Cat a lot because she's deep, she's very thoughtful, and she's very genuine. And it's one of those things that you don't oftentimes find in just people that you meet right off the bat. <laughs> and she's like that immediately, and she's like that consistently. 
she also has two really strong qualities that is rare to find in the same person. Oftentimes you'll find one without necessarily the other. One is she has a real desire to help people. It's very real, it's very true, it's very obvious. It's something you can't really fake. Uh, I mean, I'm sure people try, but you can't really fake that, that type of desire to help. The second thing she has is an ability to connect. She actually has the ability to connect you with someone else who can help. If she doesn't know the answer, she knows people that know answers. She's an incredible person to meet. She's the type of person I want to be more like, and I was so happy to have her on Grants Pass VIP. Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is Fun Shot by Kevin McLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Pombo. I'm executive producer, Shawnee Douglas. Until next time, live rogue and have fun.